Marvel's Blade film is getting a fifth rewrite. South Park goes after Disney, and It Follows is getting a sequel called They Follow. Let's break down this week's movie news. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to another episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast, and yet another episode of Movie News, where we go through all of the industry news so you don't have to. Movie trailers, casting, announcements, all sorts of things happening in the industry. Now, let's get into the box office, starting with... First place, Five Nights at Freddy's. Again, king of the box office, everybody. $17 million at the box office. Even though it dropped 78%, it still passed $100 million domestic in just 10 days. Huge hit for Blumhouse. Then Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, pulled in $11 million at the box office, breaking $160 million domestic at the box office. An insane success. Killers of the Flower Moon, $6.5 million at the box office. It's broken $50 million domestic and $100 million global. Priscilla opened to a wider release, over 1,400 theaters, pulled in $4 million at the box office its opening weekend. On a budget of $20 million, it has a bit of an uphill battle to go. And then Radical pulled in $2 million its opening weekend. And we all know Dune Part 2 would have came out this weekend. So let's all take a moment of silence and think about the greatest movie that was not released in 2023. More box office projections for upcoming weekends. The Marvels next weekend projected to hit $70 million its opening weekend, which is very low for tracking on a budget of about $250 to $300 million. This movie needs to hit about seven to eight hundred million just to become profitable. So, MCU hopes that movie has some legs. I'm sure. And we got a new Wonka projection, only projected to hit twenty million dollars its opening weekend when it comes out in December. That's not great news for Warner Brothers. That movie cost one hundred twenty-five million dollars to make. So to become profitable, probably hits about has to hit about. 400 to 500 million dollars at the box office. Let's see if Timmy Chalamet can put butts in the seats for this Wonka project. Wonka Origins. And before we get into more of the news, we dropped a huge episode with Shits and Gigs on Wednesday. They are a huge podcast based in the UK on Wednesday. It was super fun. It's a laugh riot from beginning to, to end. And you're not They're gonna want to miss it as well as Monday. We did an episode on Halloween, and tomorrow we're doing an episode on V for Vendetta because today is November 5th, and remember, remember. The 5th of November. Now let's get into movie news. And the biggest news so far is an update on Marvel's Blade film, which is getting another screenwriter attached to it, another rewrite. So Logan and Blade Runner 2049 screenwriter Michael Green has just been hired by Kevin Feige to rewrite the script. And we got a huge article from Variety basically going over Marvel right now. And basically, is Marvel in trouble? Because they have been, clearly, for about a year and a half, two years now. It was a scathing report. Exactly. But to specifically specifically talk about what they discovered and heard about from the Blade film, according to Variety, this is what the original script was like. The so the script where they canceled the production because the script was so bad? Exactly. Okay. Back in October, remember, they were supposed to go in production and ended it a week before going into filming mm -hmm. to do rewrites. So according to Variety, the project has gone through at least five writers, two directors, and one shutdown six weeks before production. 
One person familiar with the script, the original script, says the story at one point morphed into a narrative led by women and filled with life lessons. Blade was relegated to the fourth lead of the film. A bizarre idea, considering that the studio had two-time Oscar winner Mahershala Ali as the lead character. What the actual fuck? How is he not the lead of the movie? How does that happen? Marvel, man. How does that happen? I don't know. How do you make a Blade movie and not have Blade as the lead? Being the fourth build? We're not build, but fourth, fourth character. Fourth important character? Oh my... I. You know what? Part of me wishes that they made it. Me too. Part of me wishes they made it so that everybody could see how bad it was. I just... Part of me wants to know what it was and for the world to be like, okay... Let's take it easy, and let's just go with what the lore is. Dude, if you want female characters in the movie, no problem with that. Yeah. But it's a Blade movie. Blade has to be the late, the lead character. He has to be in 90% of the scenes of the movie. It's, it's called his Blade. movie. And I, I really like how we've been hearing that. Obviously, he's going to be the lead back again. But then we have Mia Goth as the antagonist playing Dracula's daughter. That sounds really interesting to oh, me. Oh, yeah. But I also remember hearing rumors that the original Blade was going to focus on his daughter. He would have a daughter who would be, like, taking up the mantle And as it was well. going to be, like, 1900s, right? Early 1900s? It was going to be a mix of present day in the early 20th century. You know, I mean, a part of me wishes that they made it so we can see how fucking terrible of a decision it was, and honestly. how much we were lost. Now, the Blade update for the new film that is being rewritten right now by Michael Green is going to get a budget under $100, which is going to be the cheapest film that's Marvel's really made cheap. in a while. But, I mean, $100? I mean, Man, <laughs> that's a really cheap movie. $100 million, <laughs> sorry. They have lowered the budget to under $100 million for Blade, and everyone's wondering why. Clearly, they probably spent tens of millions developing the four other versions that they had for this project. Obviously, screenwriting costs a lot of money, but developing all of the pre-visualization of the film, booking all the locations and sets, this all costs money doing all this pre-production work on a film that was about to get shot. So they spent yeah. tens of millions of dollars on this already. It's been delayed so much. They haven't gotten any money back from what they've put into this for the last five years. So obviously that's the reason why they're dropping the budget under $100 million, which could be a good thing. It doesn't have to be a uh, huge, gigantic movie. I think that for the first film, let's not go... I think so many modern franchises, they go so big in the first film. It doesn't have to be the biggest stakes possible for the stories. You can, gar you can start with a more laid-down, stripped-down, smaller-scaled film to get people ready for what they have planned for bigger stories, but I, I'm totally fine with it being a smaller budget. Also, a smaller budget means less of a reliance on CGI and yeah, animation absolutely. and green screen. Mm -hmm. So maybe we'll get some legit practical sets in this Blade movie. I hope so. But I really hope that Mahershala Ali stays on board because there are also rumors that he may leave the project due to frustration, and I don't blame him. He was announced as Blade, what, 2018? Jesus, yeah. And he still that hasn't had the movie made yeah. or filmed, and they're about to go into production. He's a highly in-demand actor, one of the best right now, two-time Oscar winner in the last seven years. And they're wasting you his time. can't get a Blade movie made yeah. with him. It's a no-brainer. How hard yeah. is it to make this movie? They've been wasting his time. They don't deserve him yeah. at this point. They do not deserve Mahershal Ali's talent. Man, I just... <laughs> this is ridiculous, man. It seems like every quarter there's a Blade destruction destructive story yeah and we're gonna stay on marvel because apparently the kang storyline which is played obviously by jonathan majors is rumored to be getting abandoned by marvel and i mean we all know they titled the next two avengers movies kang dynasty and kang dynasty 2 basically not anymore <laughs> and so they're looking to pivot possibly to dr doom which i think is a strong pivot because dr doom is an insanely powerful villain everybody loves lore. him yeah yeah and he's been done before but he the strength of dr doom is massive 
and he's almost unbeatable to an point. And I believe we're, he was going to come into play at some point, but maybe they're expediting that process. For Secret Wars. Yeah. And on top of that, Doctor Doom has not been portrayed well at all so far in the previous adaptation. So there's a lot of room for making a cool character portrayal because the other two versions, honestly, are pretty. they suck pretty bad. So it's not, <laughs> it's not like you're trying to fill the shoes of uh, Tony Stark, played by Downey. Or a Captain America played by Evans, you're you're filling the shoes that are already you know the expectations are tiny. So I think there's a lot of room for making a really interesting villain, um, and one that the fans of Doctor Doom will be happy with. And speaking of Tony Stark and Steve Rogers, they are apparently Marvel's trying to make a new Avengers film with the original Avengers cast, and their plan is reportedly to bring back Iron Man and Tony Stark from the dead as well as. Black Widow, and just do another Avengers movie mm-hmm. with the OG cast. <laughs> so I think they're really in desperate in a desperate situation now because of that being revealed, meaning that they are just bleeding so much money and their projects right now are not doing well, uh-huh. and they're trying to get everybody back. They're going to have to throw a lot of money at them to do that because I feel like Downey's probably done with the role. He just, I mean, Downey's on fire with Oppenheimer. Yeah, he true. Need that. He doesn't need it. And I don't. It's not that I hate the idea of resurrecting characters because that's so normal for comic book lore, especially in Marvel. I mean, that happens a lot. Characters die and they come back. They're never truly dead. But I think that they really need to kind of figure out what they're doing outside of just the Avengers cast because there's so much potential for characters and they can't even get Blade right. I think that they – I don't think they should go back to the old Avengers. I think they should focus on the X-Men. Yeah, get them in as soon as possible. I think that's the way for success is the X-Men. Well, people are are – assuming and there's rumors that the x-men or the mutants are coming into play with the marvels film that's coming up but this one this film also is heading in a bad direction it's tracking around 70 million dollars for an opening weekend which is incredibly low for a 250 300 million dollar movie yeah. which to make profit this movie's going to have to hit 800 900 million dollars because of splitting with tickets with theaters as well as the marketing investment they're putting into marketing's the movie, huge yeah the reshoots they did in this film and they're really doing this odd, desperate, it seems like, marketing campaign. The last three trailers of the Marvels, besides the clip they just released, it opens with footage from Infinity War, from Endgame, and, and with uh, Thanos Captain speaking. Marvel. Those are the last, the first three yeah. seconds of the th- last three trailers I've seen. I saw the trailer last week, and I was, I, I was like, dude, they put, they pretty much put the Avengers and Thanos in this trailer to get people excited because they're the numbers are tracking so low. In that Variety article, which I talked about earlier, it also brought up the fact that director D, uh, Nia DaCosta, she left post production when there's two months left of work to be done on the film after filming to go make another movie which is kind of an odd thing to do when you're making a $250 million film and Damn. you're the director. I understand I understand that you know Marvel's a machine at this point, like a factory machine at making films. Mm-hmm. And a lot of directors and filmmakers are developing projects in between projects. Sure. But that was an odd thing to re- hear as well, that leaving post-production just to go make another movie. There's also reports in the article about how much money Marvel is spending on things that aren't performing well. So Captain Marvel is one of them, also fucking up the production of Blade, but also... Reports came out that She-Hulk episodes cost $25 million a piece to produce. $25 million? Which is much more than any episode of Game of Thrones. Where'd the money go? I don't I'm, know. Where, is this, a, is this a, a funneling machine? Are they trying to clean money? <laughs> is this know. going to the Cayman Islands? It was also revealed that Disney actually posted the episodes of She-Hulk before the visual effects were finished. And they were actually uh, finishing the visual effects while the, the, the episodes were already aired on Disney+. I knew it, man. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. It looks comically bad. It seems like they rushed the hell out of it. So they, 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 the fact that they put an unfinished product up is just mind-blowing to me. That's insane. Unfinished product. Wow. 
They're just like nobody will notice. I think Disney and Marvel they are in trouble right now, and this these are all clear signs that they really had a bad direction of what they were doing from I guess 2020 to this point now. It's funny. I said that they peaked in 2019. I said that was the peak, and they'll never top it. And it's absolutely true. And you can only use the COVID lockdown excuse for so long. For mm. a year and a half, sure. Obviously, they pivoted to all streaming and focusing a ton of attention on TV shows. But you can't use that excuse anymore. Yeah. We're almost four years removed from lockdowns yeah. starting. Man. I mean, you got to get your shit together. Get your shit together, Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> You'll make money again if you start making good movies again. And, and just to stay on Disney. We don't mean to be beating up on Disney, but I mean, I think everybody they, they kind of deserve right now. South Park demolished Disney with their new movie with Paramount. It's a 50-minute film called South Park Joins the Pandaverse. And they absolutely decimated De Disney Bob Iger, to an extent, and Kathleen Kennedy. But as well as, they went after a lot of the fans, which I think was a they good... They went after everyone. They went after everybody because, obviously, they went after Kathleen Kennedy for the first half. But then they really showed the the truth and kind of the irony that, like, everyone looks at her as, like, this big boogeyman that's destroyed Disney and Marvel and Lucasfilm. It's exactly, a scapegoat yeah. when... She's not the only one pulling strings at Disney. And also, like, using her as blaming her for all your problems. Yeah. Is, so everything's Kathleen Kennedy's fault. It was a great yeah. sight, satire on this this being that a lot of haters have created of Kathleen Kennedy destroying everything. And it's, it's Cartman as Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. It's a, it's, she's just a, an executive at Disney. She doesn't run the entire company. That's why their episodes like this work, because they go after all sides. And nobody's really safe from their ridicule. So I think it, the episode really worked. It was really funny. Um, also factoring in, they went after Disney and uh, basically every studio. It's, Disney's just the the one yeah. in the episode uh, for extreme pandering and really just uh, helping fuel like a uh, culture war through their films and just going yeah. going too far, um, going too extreme to the point where you're, you're ostracizing your fans. So I thought it was a really smart episode. I thought they did a great job with it. They also went after the fact that like we're so comfortable with technology in our lives have become so easy that nobody knows how to do anything anymore. Yeah, like repair, AI. like repair a door. <laughs> it's great. Can't even fix a screw on an oven door. So this is what you do. You the oven door is not working. So what you do is you take out your phone. You call the handyman. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's really, kind of scary. Really great. Kind of scary stuff. Now let's leave Disney alone <laughs> and move on to some other stuff. So it's November right now, and oh, on yeah. November third. Oppenheimer dropped back into IMAX theaters, even the 70-millimeter projected screen theaters. So you bet your butts that we're going to see Oppenheimer again in IMAX. IMAX. See it now. If you haven't seen Oppenheimer... What have you been doing? You, now is your chance. There's no excuses now. With no, the more, no more. With the re-release, it was in theaters for five months. Now it's out again. So Halloween's over. You don't have plans this weekend. Go Come on. on. If you haven't seen Oppenheimer, go see it in IMAX. <laughs> Next up, huge announcement everybody's very excited about. It follows... The modern horror classic from 2014 is getting a sequel from Neon Pictures. It's called They Follow, with Robert Michael Mitchell returning to direct. And then Micah Monroe is returning to be the lead of the film as well. So I was wondering, will she be returning? And she, he is. I mean, she is. It's David Robert David Mitchell. David Robert Mitchell. Sorry. <laughs> I, it didn't feel right when I said yeah, it. Yeah, it didn't feel right it at all. It didn't feel right. <laughs> but uh, this is cool news. I think it would be, be really interesting to see a bigger scale. And the tagline says they're everywhere. I love It Follows. It's one of my favorite horror movies made the last several years. Anthony's not a huge fan of the third act of that film. <laughs> Or the concept. He's, he's torn it apart in front of me. No, no, it's not the, not the third act. It's the... Anthony, he <laughs> tied me to a chair, and he's like, it's not that good. <laughs> I like it. It's good. I just... I love it. It's just the rules of the monster are inconsistent, is all. 
Like, uh, the monster's blending in as people, but it's blending in as very conspicuous people, like a crazy old lady in a school. Obviously, that's the monster. If it blended as, like, a teenager, she's be she, she's dead. I don't care. <laughs> that that was fun. my thing. Still, it's creepy, And, like, it blending, like, turning into a naked dude, like, obviously, that's the monster. Let's stay away well, from monster, that guy. He's, he's got weird things going on. Who's the monster? Oh, it's definitely the guy. That guy, definitely the monster. That's what, that was my comment with the movies. The, hey. the rules of the monster weren't clear. Hey, we disagree on a film. That's cool. I like it, though. I think it's awesome. It's I thought okay. it was a fun movie. You, you hate it. It's fine. <laughs> but I'm very excited, especially with Micah Monroe returning, because she's excellent, and she's like one of the best scream queens this century right now. She's up there, as well as I really hope they keep the ambiguity of the time period, and I hope Disaster Piece comes back to do the music, because the music they came up with that film is as iconic, I think, in the horror genre yeah, as Halloween. It's, it's awesome stuff. Great score. Let's move on to something a little scary and fun and related to AI, just like with South Park. So Joe Biden, President Biden, he just signed an executive order on AI, which is about to go in front of uh, Congress. And apparently he did this after watching Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, (laughs) according to his chief of staff. (laughs) So there's a bunch of great headlines of like Joe Biden watches Mission Impossible. Oh, my God, we have to stop AI. (laughs) So this executive order is to seek to ensure safe, secure and trustworthy AI. I think this was something that was coming anyways because of the last year we've just seen the the doppelgangers and the deep fakes have just become so much, so advanced and I saw a quote where his chief of staff saying like seeing really realistic photos and videos of the president himself seeing mm-hmm. that of him yeah and it's AI and it's like we got to do something about this yeah. and he played Mission Impossible at that big retreat that all the presidents stay at uh, in the middle of the woods mm-hmm. whatever it's Camp David yeah and he played it there and he was probably like oh shit what is the entity? <laughs> no, I think it's great. I think it's a smart thing to do. Absolutely. But the headlines are fun. It's not like he saw this movie. He's like, oh, we got to do something. Like, they're planning on it. I saw someone DM'd us saying Tom Cruise got Biden to... His, Tom Cruise made Biden scared of AI. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have updates on Joker 2. Oh, we do. From a member of the production um, who says, I quote, a major, major department head says... Something I appreciate about Todd Phillips, who I've done seven movies with, including Joker, is that he's always taking risks. We've got the new Joker coming out next year, and we're just finishing up post-production on it. This movie is a big swing, and it's going to be really surprising to people. I'm so excited for everybody to see it, and it's not going to be anything that we expect. And I think this is good news. I think the superhero comic book genre needs fresh ideas and new interpretations of the stories. And there's a reason why the, those that genre is not performing well right now is because it's we're just getting carbon copies of what we've seen before. So I think that Joker 2 is a really exciting opportunity for us to see something completely different in the genre. And I'm, I just want it to be as unique and um, special and different as possible. And it made a billion dollars for a reason, Joker. And Anthony, your lights and glass just fell. I think it just broke. A lot of glass just shattered, so be careful over there, pal. Oh, man, how did How'd that, that happen? I don't know. I just watched it happen. Is there a fucking ghost? I guess. I didn't touch it. <laughs> what? The ghost of Kathleen Kennedy's in here. She heard. <laughs> she heard. <laughs> Damn. Um, I love that land. But to stay on Joker, like I said, it made a billion dollars for a reason because it was unique. It was something new we hadn't seen in the comic book genre really since you could argue like something with V for Vendetta, you know, mm-hmm. a great satire on culture as well as being an awesome comic book movie and adaptation of a great character. And I'm excited to see what he does with this film, especially since so many reports of it being a musical. And I think we need things like this to keep people excited about the genre and just big movies in general. And I, I need it. I'm ecstatic. I'm Cannot also wait. I'm also excited for The Fall Guy, 
David Leach's new film starring Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt. They dropped images? So there are images to the film, and it's all stunt work from Gosling, and he's doing some crazy stuff. Really great, really great uh, looking stunts. I'm looking these up right now. So the film follows Ryan Gosling's character, who is a down-on-his-lunk stuntman for Hollywood films, and he's just got a job on the film of his ex-girlfriend, who is making her directorial debut on the film. He's playing the stuntman for the lead actor of the film, played by Aaron Taylor Johnson. However, Aaron Taylor Johnson's character goes missing, which leads Ryan Gosling's character on an adventure. And it looks awesome. What a great-looking film. I love the design and his character outfits. Are, are he's really got a great beard. Yeah, he's got a great beard. Yeah. He's got great jackets again. Mm-hmm. I think Gosling's always about having I need a cool a good jacket. jacket. But um, sign me the hell up. This is the first time he's played a character that was a stuntman. Driver did some stunts. Oh, yeah. I drive. It's for the movies. It's only part time. Moving on to something we talked about last week, David Holmes, The Boy Who Lived, which is a documentary about David Holmes, who was Daniel Radcliffe's stunt double for the entirety of the Harry Potter films until Deathly Hallows when he suffered a horrific injury where he broke his neck, falling from a great height, and became paralyzed. However, he has his own production company, and he's still great friends with all the many people who made those movies with him. He's got a documentary coming out called David Holmes, The Boy Who Lived. The trailer just dropped. And it's about you know him and Daniel Radcliffe's uh, relationship as well as his relationship from his journey from being a young child gymnast and obsessed with being a stuntman, becoming a stuntman, the dream job of being Daniel Radcliffe's stuntman, stunt double for the entirety of the franchise until his injury as well as what he's been up to lately the last decade and a half. It looks so emotional and incredible. I was getting moved to tears just from the trailer. Yeah. Drops on Max on November 15th. I'm excited to watch this one. He was a great double for Daniel. And it's it's with really cool because you don't really – a lot of actors, they are great friends with their doubles and stunt mm-hmm. actors, and they have a great relationship, and he's friends with so many of the actors and crew mm-hmm. still, and it, it's really touching. Yeah, it's emotional. All right, next up, Christopher Nolan is getting some recognition at the Sundance Film Festival. The director is going to be named the first recipient of the now inaugural Sundance Institute Trailblazer Award. So, I mean, if you're going to give it to someone – there's a, if there's a trailblazer this century, it's Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan. This century's yeah. got to be top director all yeah. time for the, for the last 20 years. So that, that's going to be an inaugural award that's going to happen every year. All right. We got some Five Nights at Freddy's news. The viewership has been revealed, and it's as astonishing as its box office. Blumhouse Universal Pictures film became the most watched movie on Peacock in its first five days on the streaming platform ever. No surprise there. Yeah, really no surprise. It's it's really incredible that it did that as well as the that kind of number those kinds of numbers at the box office on the same week. Absurd. It's impressive. Blumhouse is killing it right Very now. Very impressive. Universal's having a great year as well mm-hmm. because of Oppenheimer and then the success of this film too. Yeah. Woo. Crushing it. And they yeah, I mean, it's great, great year for the studio. Next up we have some news about Idris Elba. He's going to star and co direct in Above the Below. It's based on an idea by Owen who I don't know his last name. <laughs> Just Owen. Some guy <laughs> follows a, a tight-knit trio of astronauts as they survive a chaotic and destructive re-entry into Earth, only to find themselves off course and completely cut off from the world as their capsule begins to sink into the unknown depths of the ocean. Their battle for survival has only just begun. Very cool. Co-directing. Yeah, he's, he's directed TV shows. Has so he this, done Luther? Uh, I don't think he did an episode. I, no, he did... Um, Oh, what's the name of that show? He did a show. This is one word. It's like Ladaris or something like that. Um, he did not direct Luther, but he's going to co-direct this. I think it'll be the first time he's co-directing a movie. Cool. 
Okay, so for any fans of the Continental, there's another TV show from the John Wick universe Are coming out. Are there any out. fans of the Continental? I don't know. I don't know a living soul that watched that show. <laughs> I forgot it came out. Chad Sahelski apparently is directing some episodes, so there's no new. There's no information about this show. All we know is it's a TV John Wick adaptation in development. Sahelski's on board to make some episodes and be a producer on the show. No network information, nothing at all. Just another another spinoff. Yeah, I wonder when they greenlit this because probably before the performance of the Continental because I'm sure say, the yeah. performance of the Continental was not very high. But to have another John Wick TV show coming out soon, I just feel like they're milking this, man. Let me look up the uh, Continental numbers. I don't think you're going to find anything real. Good luck with that, though. Next up, we have Death of a Unicorn. It's a new A24 film. Will Poulter, Tia Leone, and Anthony Carrigan just joined the cast, which stars Paul Rudd and Janet Ortega. The film will focus on a father and daughter, played by Paul Rudd and Ortega, who hit a unicorn with their car while on their way to a weekend retreat, killing it. <laughs> Rudd's billionaire boss has his eyes set on the animal, hoping to exploit its alleged healing properties. As we all know in Harry Potter, you know, unicorns have great healing properties, unicorn's blood. <laughs> the film will be written and directed by Alex Scarfman, which will be his feature film debut. So, yeah, it, it, the highest it hit was number 13 on Peacock. Oh, my gosh. Continental didn't even hit top 10. Yeah, that was its best day, number 13. And you know they put over 100 mil into that show. Yeah, so, yeah, it never, it never did well at all. It couldn't even break its top 10 on its own platform. Yeah, number 13 overall for its, for its peak. Meaning it probably didn't even break top 50, top 75 of TV. It, was, it wasn't even in the top five of crime. Wow. Damn. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> the thing with the thing with John Wick, it has to have John Wick. It's gonna have Keanu. In no, it. One, no one wants to watch a John Wick movie without John Wick in it, or even I a first movie or show. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see Anna's movie. We'll see. We'll see what else. Yeah, like. I mean ballerina. We'll see. We'll see a trailer. Another trailer we have, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. So generations after the events of the War for the Planet of the Apes back in 2017, many ape clans have emerged in the oasis to which Caesar led his fellow apes while humans have regressed into a feral state. When the ape leader, Proximus Caesar, perver perverts the teachings of Caesar to enslave other clans in search of the last traces of a secret human technology, the ape Noah embarks on a journey to find freedom alongside a young human named May. So the trailer looked incredible. Animation CGI is still sensational because Planet of the Apes, some of the best we have gotten in the last five to ten years. Very excited about this film. I believe they're going in their own direction in terms of the story. And we're all very excited about this because we love the Apes trilogy that Matt Reeves had a huge part of. And obviously Andy Serkis. So very excited about this. A bit of sad news. Matthew Perry, the star of Friends and many other films and TV shows, passed away just in his 50s. He was a legend. He was an excellent sitcom star. Friends changed sitcoms forever. Is so successful, and it's just such a sad passing at such an early age. Everybody knows that Britney Spears' memoir just came out, and it is scathing and setting the media on fire. Every studio right now is in a bidding war to win the rights to this memoir. Oh, my God. So expect I've never wanted a movie more in my life. <laughs> expect a sale to be announced pretty soon. Uh, it's probably for a very hefty penny. And then expect uh, film production to be in production later this year and probably for release. I'm guessing release 2025, 2024 
December. Well, they'll try. They'll try to get it out in 2024, but obviously SAG is still under strike. Oh yeah, so yeah, we yeah. Can't yeah. Film yeah, it. We'll see. Yeah. However, you know they'll try to get it done by the end of the next year. Yeah. So expect this. This is going to be whatever studio gets it. It's going to be a fast track into production. Yeah, and we don't have any new updates on SAG in general. Just. A lot of back and forth information saying it's going to end soon, saying it's not going to end soon. No one really knows. Yeah, so just more negotiating is all. Hopefully ASAP. And our final bit of news is on the Salem Lot remake, which is a Stephen King film. It was a movie made in the 1970s, a vampire film based off his book. Uh, it's been in production. I believe it, it wrapped, obviously, but it's in post-production right now. Originally, it was going to get a theatrical release. However, it's getting moved to a max streaming release only. Warner Brothers says it's because of the strike. Yeah, okay. Um, I don't know about I don't, that. I don't. Why would you? It might not be good. Is yeah, what, I think that's is what the problem. It is. is it's probably not terrific. Yeah, it's not probably not that great. So they're just gonna drop it on streaming. Like, why not go theatrical and pretend like it doesn't exist in a way? Mm-hmm. Because exactly. I mean, even if it's not the best movie ever made, you still make your budget back. Yeah, you can make some money in theaters. It's a vampire horror movie. Who it seems like they're that? um they don't want to spend the marketing. That's what it seems like to me. Yeah, and then you know the strike, sure, but. Seems like they don't want to spend money on marketing. They're just gonna put it as a thumbnail and just drop a trailer online. That's it. Yeah, they probably didn't put too much money into it, anyways. But if it was I'm great, disappointed if, because if it was great, it, they would want it to be in theaters. I was hoping it would be good. Yeah, they're not going to put Oppenheimer on Max because uh, well, it's Universal, <laughs> whatever. But you know, if they won't put Barbie on Max. Yeah, they're not going to put Barbie on Max. They put Barbie online, but you just got to pay twenty bucks to watch it. Yeah. So yeah, I think this is because it's a dud. Probably a dud. Oh well, Alora. That wraps movie news this week. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Again, episodes coming up tomorrow. We have V for Vendetta. You're not going to want to miss it. Do your homework if you haven't this weekend today, even though today is the 5th of November. It's the perfect day to watch it. Yeah, exactly. 5th of November. Remember, remember the 5th of November. Tomorrow is the November 6th, so we dropped the episode as close as we could to the date of the film. And also, Wednesday is a great episode on Daniel Craig's Bond era. We dressed up for it. Yeah. We looked really sharp in some very, suits. Very sharp. And, not, oh man, and we had a, a gun. Episode. Yeah. A fake gun. <laughs> but it was still a gun. It looks good. It looks good on camera. <laughs> I hope YouTube doesn't like take us down. We'll see. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Patreon now gets access to ad-free episodes of the show. Minimum $5 tier of membership to listen to the show. Every episode ad-free as well as please share us with this show. It's the best way for a podcast to go. Share it with your friends and, and loved ones who love cinema, who love movies. Leave those five-star ratings on Spotify and Apple. And take care, everybody. See you next time. Thank you for watching Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button as well. Notifications for sure. Listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere. You can listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out this other content we have on our YouTube channel.